0: Hey, this is H1 and we're about to be running it back with another season. Talking about chess, talking about chess understanding, chess wisdom, chess power to empower you to be a better chess player on the inside. And if you're just listening to this just to know more about chess and that's valid. That's valid. Stay here. You're cool. You're cool. And we're about to go on some unique topics in this episode. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about chess principles, how chess principles are important, how chess principles make chess not so simple, how chess principles can make you an advanced player, things like that, and a, a big secret in the middle of just improving your chess if you're trying to be a chess star or somebody important in the chess community. So stay tuned. Be here for me. Thanks for supporting me. And for the newcomers that are here listening right now, welcome. Welcome to this exhilarating episode. And trust me, This won't be the only episode that will catch your excitement. There's going to be other ones. There's going to be other episodes in this season that will catch your eye, that will be in your ear, that will have me ring in your head. And I say things like that because I'm a crazy person. You already know h one is. But before I continue on with the next segment, I do have an Instagram. I am H1Chess. I do have a Facebook I am Chess Knowledge with H1 on Facebook. I am on Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but I am on Twitter. So if you want to follow me on social media, please do so. Please do so. And all I ask of you, if you've been consistent with following me, if you've been consistent with my episodes, and you just like and love hearing Chess Knowledge, Please follow here. Stay here. Follow here. Make sure that you know when H1 is posting. And not only follow, but like, share. If you really like it, share it. That would really support me. And that would, if you did that, that would go to H1's heart and make me swell up inside. And I don't normally say stuff like that. Ask my wife. But anyway, let's continue on to the next segment Let's get it. h1 h1 what are chess principles what is the principle of playing chess what is it what is the meaning h1 tell us now well h1 is undoubtedly going to tell you hopefully i use that word right but chess principles are fundamental phrases that helps improve your chess for example if somebody was going to attack me on the flank of a chessboard then there's a principle that says, usually counterattack in the center. You don't get afraid when you use chess principles. You, you gain more knowledge of the game. And there's a lot more chess principles like that. Or, if somebody is attacking you on the chessboard, there's a chess principle that says, usually the best defense is a good offense. When you have those principles in mind and when you're thinking about those principles while you're playing chess games and you will be just like a master, you're going to be the next Gary Kasparov, boy. (laughs) So that's why chess principles are important. All grandmasters know, know these. All chess masters know these. All national masters, international masters, whatever master that you could think about, they know it even some club players. You was taught this, but you didn't know that there was a specific term for this because H1 is talking in your ear right now. It's talking up your ear. So I'm going to just tell you some more about why chess principles are important right now. I'm telling you this, and I'm doing an episode about this because for a big chunk of my career playing chess, as I was a young kid, inspiring to be the next Maurice Ashley, I did not know anything about chess principles at all. And by me not knowing what chess principles are, I couldn't improve. I always was figuring out ways to try to improve. But if I would have known what chess principles are, then I would have tried to gather more chess principles in the books that I was reading, in the videos that I was seeing, in the people that I talked to, in the games that I was playing. I would have tried my best to learn more chess principles, but I didn't and it sucked for a couple years actually i got so cocky in my middle school years that i did not play chess for for a good 2 years a good 3 years until i found a chess club in my sophomore year and i will explain that more in future episodes but anyway this did stall me and as a kid i didn't understand i didn't understand how to further my chess knowledge but now since you're listening to this since you're listening to h1 You can further your chess knowledge with the way that I'm speaking to you right now. Just listen to me. Pay close attention because I'm going to give you a real example of how to display chess principles in a real game. So I went to a tournament. It was far away. It was with my chess team. It was a chess team tournament. It was a long ways away. My coach was with me. My coach was with me, the classmates was with me, my whole team didn't go, it was just a, a select um, it was just selective kids so it was basically the best five kids in a in the chess team that got to go and I was training the best kids so I was automatically got to go since I was the coach slash player of the chess club, but anyway, we all got to go and we went to this tournament and it was a big tournament too it was a few 1800, 1700 um, players, and there was a 2000 rated player, which th- that will be hidden who that 2000 player was. But it it was a fun tournament. It was very serious. It was basically my first serious chess team tournament. I've went to many um, tournaments individually, but this was a f- like a a verse a first serious chess team tournament. It was four rounds. I won the first two. And we're going to talk about the third game. My team was doing well, too. They got some draws, losses, some wins. So they was doing the balance type of work. But I was trying to get first. My whole goal in a tournament is to get first, no matter what, no matter how many people I have to go through. I'm always trying to get the win. Okay, I don't care how powerful the opponent is. I don't care if I didn't have a rating at that time. I don't care what your rating is. But my whole goal is to checkmate your king or make you resign. That's the only two goals. So I went into the third match. I beat the first two. They was easy. And this player was about 17, 18 hundred we was playing the opening we played the middle game and we got into this interesting end game i call this an interesting end game because the end game was it was about seven pawns it was the, like a lot of pawns still on the board we only traded like one one pawn throughout the whole game not throughout the whole game but till the end game and we both have two of our bishops and we traded everything else. We traded the knights, we traded the rooks, we already traded the queen. So it was pretty much equal and I was the black pieces and they was the white pieces. And it was this double bishop endgame. And I remember at that moment, at that point, I was looking around, looking at him, and then I was looking at my clock. And then I looked at the board back again. And then I was stumped. I didn't know what to do at that moment because the game was completely equal. Usually when you're facing people that are least stronger than you, they usually do a blunder about time the middle game hits or the opening and then you have something to go against. You already have a focus on a weakness and then you just win the game. But when you go up to like, I don't know, past 1600 rating, it gets harder you can't just win by waiting until somebody blunders anymore you have to actually form a strategy form temporary positional strategies and I'll get to that in a second but it's not that simple so I still wanted to win I wasn't gonna offer a draw and I didn't want to draw I, I needed a win to get to the last round because the person that I was trying to be they already won all their games so as H1 I thought about it for a sec it was 25 minute games so I didn't think about it for that long we still had about 20 minutes because we just traded down a lot of pieces and before this tournament I can say without a doubt that I was studying a lot of endgame. game and I was studying really hard about positional play and strategy and I was already confident in my end game I was probably too confident but in this game I was enough confident to know that I can finesse my way into winning the end game most people they focus a lot of attention on the opening in the middle game and then they just kind of like skim through the end game stuff but I did the opposite I actually focused primarily on my end game because usually when you focus more on the end game then that amplifies your playing the middle game and definitely in the opening the opening is the easiest thing the end game is the hardest and the middle game is the second hardest okay so I was confident but I didn't really know how to form a plan because when you're first starting chess, your main plan is to checkmate. But I couldn't start off with that. I had to start off with smaller steps. Smaller steps than that. It's like a, it's probably like 10 more steps before I even get to checkmate because I knew that my opponent, he was really good. So I was thinking. I was thinking and I was just thinking, how can I make this into not a drawn position? How can I just finesse my opponent? And I don't care how slow it, how much time it takes, but I just wanted to win. And then I thought of a chess principle right there at that moment. It's a chess principle of the principle of two weaknesses. I've read in a book a long time ago. In a chess book and game book. The principle of two weaknesses. H1. What the heck is the principle of two weaknesses? Well, H1 is going to tell you the principle of two weaknesses. Is. You cannot just win a chess game. With one weakness. You cannot just win a chess game when your opponent has one weakness. You need two weaknesses... to usually win a chess game... in an end game. So that's when I... first thought about it. I need to make it... where... my opponent... has one weakness... and then... try to... make them... have another weakness. Somehow, some way. But it's going to take some time... Because basically, I have to wait for them to blunder. But if I'm doing more positional moves and just have more strategy, basically, it comes down to how much knowledge you have about positional matters, um, temporary positional matters, too, because you need temporary positional. Um, you need temporary positional. Mm, you need temporary positional advantages to get conc- to get permanent positional advantages. So that's what I did. I just got advantages slowly but surely. First, I got my bishops. I got their quality right. I got them on diagonals that they can put a lot of pressure on the opponent's side and going after weaknesses. Then. I was gathering a little bit more space on the king side and just squeezing their bishops into making my opponent bishops seem like that. They're not doing anything at all. Plus, I even got my king out because usually in the end game, I don't know why I said usually all usually always in the end game. In most games, you need to get your king out to get the king active. To get ready for battle with the king, and that's what I did. And as I did those few things, my opponent, I was realizing that my opponent wasn't doing the correct moves. H one realized this, and that was the main disadvantage that my opponent had. I realized that they didn't study enough on endgame. So while they was just doing moves, protecting moves. Um, protecting um, his pawns and I, f- I felt like that I was getting a handle of the position and I was. And then that's when I took advantage of the position. I got my opponent into a tactic after I formed my strategy on how to make my position better. and once that happened, it was just downhill from there. S- Somehow, some way, I got a few pawns. I had two pass pawns on each side of the board. And those was my two. And those was the two weaknesses that I needed to beat him. Because he couldn't stop two of them. But if it was just one pass pawn, he could stop one. But not the two, especially on each side of the board. And then I won the rest of the game. And I was proud of myself because I studied positional games and positional puzzles for a very long time before that. I was up the night before just studying in games. It was so serious, serious where I didn't even play chess games that night. I didn't, I didn't play bullet or blitz games like I usually do. I was studying vigorously to prepare myself to be ready for these type of difficult positions. And I was excited to win and I was excited to show my coach and the other players because I felt like I did all the moves correctly. All the moves that H1 was supposed to do. And that's one example of why chess principles are important. And you need to take it in. And I'm going to be talking about this a lot more in different trust in different chess principles in this episode. So stay tuned because I'm I'm not done yet. I am not done yet. Let's get to it. Welcome to the waiting room segment, Chess Jokes by H1. And the joke for this episode is where can you learn how to play chess? Night school. I know, but thanks for listening. Okay, it's your boy, H1. And it's time to get down to business. Okay, first of all, I just want to say that chess is not a simple game. And if you thought that it was a simple game, then you need to go somewhere else because chess is complicated. You know, it's it's just complicated. I was going to say something else, but nah, it's it's just complicated. But anyway, it's so complicated that sometimes you could think that chess is a little bit hypocritical. When you start conjuring a whole lot of chess principles, and then you figure out, wait a minute, what's going on? You look at Grandmaster's game, and then Grandmaster's game, and then, (laughs) I can't say this accurately, Grandmaster's games, and then they do stuff that you didn't learn, and then you're like, what? I was taught this way, but the Grandmaster didn't do that. He's... He's not even focused on that, or she's not even focused on that. What's going on? Am I correct, or are they? Well, let me tell you the truth. The grandmaster is always correct, no matter what <laughs> no matter what you say, because they're a grandmaster, and they've been playing for so long. If they have the grandmaster title, they're automatically better than you. They've practice eight hours a day they put their life and soul into a game because they're cuckoo and being cuckoo is not a bad thing in 2020 because i feel like that we're all a little bit cuckoo somehow some way but so this is why just can get hypocritical though sometimes when you learn from books or people on youtube or from peers or just people that you play they kind of turn these chess principles into hardcore laws you have to follow for some reason somehow some way they do i don't know why h1 wished that people would just stop but they won't stop never and actually i was the i was the victim of this when i was learning i was the victim of people teaching me badly and i feel like that this hindered my chess for so many years So let me tell you some examples right quick. Like saying to always develop your pieces in the first 12 moves or to always castle. Making sure you always have your rooks connected before the middle game starts. Never push up the pawns in front of your king. Double pawns are always bad. The knights and bishops always equals the same amount of power. Let me keep on going. Always bring the king out in the end game. Never bring the queen out too early. Always develop knights first, then bishops. The middle game always starts when the pieces are developed. These principles make me sick. It's because that they're saying absolute words like always and never when chess isn't that simple. All chess principles is not these chess principles is not the best way to learn chess and not and chess is not this simple absolute words like these like always and never and all principles aren't always correct <laughs> but it actually hinders your creativity because when you have a uh when you have a law like that if somebody tells you that and then and then something happens on the board and you're just trying to get all your pieces out in the first 12 moves, but you lost like half of your pieces. What are you supposed to do about that? You was taught that way. And it's kind of crazy because I had this experience with my students. I was, I was telling them, Hey, develop your pieces as soon as possible. And then my, my students would play their games and their opponent would threaten something like they would threaten a knight with a pawn and they wouldn't move the knight even though you should clearly move the knight since the pawn is one point and the knight is three points but they would actually do something else like castle or something and i'm like whoa whoa what are you doing didn't you see that your knight was attacked by the pawn and then they'd be like well you told us to um you told us to develop our pieces as soon as possible so that's what i'm doing and i'm like whoa 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 hold up you still have to do like these in-between moves to, de- to defend, to not lose the game, to not lose the material. You can't just let your pieces be taken by um lower quality pieces. The pieces that are lesser than the knights, the bishops, you can't do that. That's not how you win the games. That's actually how you lose the game very quickly. And I've seen this in person. So when you say words like always and never on all these chess principles, it doesn't always work out that is very true. Actually, all chess principles aren't like that. Like when you say always and never, like, for example, if you say "Um, activity is always important because activity in chess is always important. It's just when you say it on every single thing. So instead of saying stuff like that, you, you gotta, let me give an example. Like, instead of saying, always make sure your rooks are connected, say, connect your rooks as soon as possible. That change up in words would help out tremendously. And this is how you get, this is how you get hypocritical thinking, by saying words like this. And then when you see a Grandmaster and then you're like, all their pieces aren't developed in the first 12 moves. Just see a Grandmaster play, play the Roy Lopez and see if all their pieces are developed in the first 12 moves. It's not going to happen because the Roy Lopez variations go further down to like 25 moves and it's strategic maneuvering in the Roy Lopez. So this is what I have to tell you. You have to clear the lines for yourself when you're learning from other people other books and other YouTube um, videos, and I've seen it in YouTube videos. People just be lying to you, just be telling you what to do. It's like, no, you set that the wrong way. Especially if you're a grown-up trying to learn how to play chess, that that confuses you because you're not being precise about your wording. You're you're actually confusing me. So, I just want to give a. Uh, Disclaimer that I'm not saying that all these laws have no purpose because they do. I am saying though that the only purpose of these are for you to make these rules concrete in your heart and get further along in your chess journey, and then you just break them, just like jazz because when you learn all the the jazz rule i mean when you learn all the piano rules of what you're not supposed to do and what you are supposed to do and then jazz have those off notes and it's like whoa that doesn't go with it and then they bring it back into the like the the key that is supposed to be in and then you're like oh snap that fits that it's kind of groovy that's cool that's basically what jazz is but you don't just discard the whole playbook no because there are good beginner tips when learning the chess principles uh, like those so that's pretty much what I had to say about that and as H1 I'm not trying to mislead you by this this is a very true statement and once you learn all these chess principles the correct way it's so much beauty when a grandmaster breaks one of these rules to win the game like (sighs) Like, for example, if a Grandmaster does, like, the second best move or the third best move. Or, like, if a Grandmaster plays the Bishop game, when nobody plays the Bishop game anymore. Nobody plays um, E4, E5, Bishop, C4. Because, usually, they play uh, the E4, E5, Knight, F3. Because the Bishop game is not really that... It's not really that known. It's nothing wrong with it. It's just not really that known. And, actually, it's... it's the only reason why people don't play that game or play that opening is because you you're getting your bishop you don't know where you want to put your bishop yet on the board and there's several there's like a few other moves where you could put your bishop but you're just like laying its destiny to be on c4 but with the knights you put the knight on f3 because it only has three squares and two of those squares are basically bad positions so you put the knight on f3 for a reason Man, as H1, it seems like that I'm running right now, which I am. And as H1, protect yourself, protect yourself, because I'm just trying to teach, guys. I'm just trying to teach. I just want y'all to advance and to proceed as chess geniuses. And this is a big tip that I want y'all to have. Please, and please get perfect chess principles that helps you with your play. Don't get principles like the ones that I just listed. You can write all those down. Just write all those down and just avoid them. And just avoid all those, okay? But instead of putting the word always or never into those, just put as soon as possible or something like that. Just switch it around. Because you should be trying to accomplish those, but sometimes you don't have time for it you don't because there's a lot going on and plus just like one of those principles the middle game doesn't start when just your pieces are developed because somebody can do a wrong move and then the middle game starts like oh now i gotta take advantage of that move and make sure that i don't miss my opportunity trying to develop things like that yes do i have anything else to say about that as h1 Mm, nah next segment please This is the waiting room segment, multiple choice by H1. And the question for this episode is When was Bobby Fischer born? Was it A, 1952, B, 1943, C, 1865? Or D, 2010. If you picked B, you are correct. It was 1943. Thank you for listening. Okay, this is H1, and we're about to get down to business again. Which I am gonna give you the biggest secret ever in this segment. So keep tuned to that. We're gonna talk about how you can gain more knowledge to become an advanced player in chess. So how can you do this? I'm gonna give you a step of things that you can study right now, and. you can get a pen and paper right now because it's going to be a super important. Do not get a pen and paper if you're driving. If you're on a long road trip, don't get a pen and paper and don't don't risk your life like that or the other drivers on the road because I know that most of you podcast people be listening to this on the road. Don't do that. Just think about it. Put it on your mental note. You can go somewhere safe. You can pull over if you're if you really don't want to forget this and just type everything that I'm about to say right now or when you get home because this might be a long say so I don't I don't know as h1 to get more knowledge I'm going to tell you this This is probably one of the number 1 things that I'm going to tell you is that you can learn from playing and watching grandmaster games Grandmaster games are super important to your chess knowledge because when you're learning something every time you can't teach yourself you have to learn from somebody else somebody has to give you a book somebody has to it's always somebody relaying the knowledge to you like if you was riding a bike or your parents or s- some somebody was teaching you to ride a bike you don't just get on a bike just assuming how to ride it no 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 somebody had to show you or you had to seen it from somewhere for you to ride a bike So, that's the exact same thing. You have to look at Grandmaster games. Because that's where you're going to learn the most from. Because they already... All the openings that you are playing... Grandmasters have already played it for centuries. You can even go all the way back to Bobby Fischer time. You can go all the way back to Spassky's time. You can go all the way back to whatever old person time. Okay? Paul Morphy. You, you, You can go all the way back and... There's been people that have played the opening. There's been people that have did the tactics that you're learning. There's been people that have played the end games that you are playing in these chess games. So that's one way to do it. You you learn from the classics and then you learn from the modern games that, we're, that we have. Learn from Magnus Carlsen, Fabriano Caruana, Vesheer M- Maxime Lagrave. L- I think that's his name. Hikaru, Hikaru Nakamura. All these top people that are here right now. And these chess prodigies, uh, Alareza, um, Jeffrey Jong, learn from all these grandmasters. There's so many grandmasters to learn from. It's insane. That's why so many genius kids that are here right now and that are becoming grandmasters at 10 or 11 years old. I don't know what the youngest is right now. I should do an episode about that because that would be interesting in research. Hmm. That would be interesting, but... You got to learn from other people. And then don't just watch. That's a bad thing to do. Don't just watch. Learn. Understand what is the motive of what the Grandmaster is doing. What personality do they have? Why did they do that move? Is it easier for them to play that opening? Ask questions. Try to find the best move that they could play. Do stuff like that. That's how you become a better player h1 knows that's how you become a better player okay so another thing do not be content with what you already know now you could be content if you if you just if you have a family and i don't I don't know if you're busy and you're not that into chess but you're just learning it to beat a friend then you, you, you can be content with what you know if you can beat that friend and and you're good with that that's that's fine i don't care but if you're trying to be a chess legend go to a tournament be be the best be the next carlson then no do not be content with what you already know keep on learning there's a lot of authors that have books there's a lot of videos on youtube it's so much information it's too much information you not to be learning something there's always something else to learn there's always an opening to learn there's always a variation to learn if you don't know all the tactics learn all the tactics if you don't know all the strategies learn all the strategies okay now this uh we're we're on the third one, right yeah we're on the third one as h1 we are officially on the third one and this is going to be the biggest secret that i can tell you about chess And when I learned this in my high school years, it blew my mind because nobody tells you this for some reason. It's like it's a secret or it's in somebody's special course or somebody is just waiting for you to pay for something for a private lesson. I don't know why nobody's nobody tells you this stuff. I just came across this on just a random low budget video or or a book or something. But this is super important. So listen closely. If you don't get anything else from this podcast, get this right now. Are you listening? (laughs) I know. I'm just messing with y'all. Okay. Strategy leads to tactics. Let me say that again, because this might have just changed your whole chess perspective. Strategy leads to tactics. Let me explain. I've had numerous students, a lot of students just learn tactics just do so many tactics puzzles they do like tens of thousands of tactic puzzles day in and day out and and then they go to a tournament and then they're like how did i lose against that person that person is lower rated than me i i was doing tactic puzzles the the moment before why why don't i understand this what's going on well h1 has to tell you something Just doing tactic puzzles alone is not going to help your chess. It's going to help when you get in that position, but it's not going to help your whole game. And just think about all those tactic puzzles that you just ran through. You probably found a solution to all of them, but there's something else that you need to think about. There's something else that is important to think about when you're doing tactic puzzles. And it's this. How did those players get to that point where you got that tactic and that's the key right there how did they get to that point to get that tactic well they did strategy and what is strategy well strategy in chess is different it deals with temporary positional advantages and permanent positional advantages like I was talking about in the first se- uh, in the first segment Deals with that, and that's the key things that you need to learn. But I'm not saying that tactics is not something that you should be learning, but no, no, I'm because tactics you should know them by heart, it should be concrete in your heart. You should learn all of them. It's a lot of tactics to learn. You should learn the basic ones the forks, pins, and the forks, pins, and skewers. And you should learn the advanced ones. You need to learn what interference is and what blockading is. You need to learn all the tactics because the tactics is how you get the opportunity but you need to learn how to lead to those tactics and that's where strategy comes in that's where positional play comes in and every grandmaster and every chess master knows about this okay is it is it too much is is this a whole chunk of pie is is this too much And more on strategy, too. I already talked about the temporary advantages and permanent advantages that deals with strategy. But it's other stuff, too. You need to learn what pawn structures are because pawn structures are a key to chess. The pawn structures tell you the future. Depending on the pawn structure, you need to know what backward pawns are. You need to know what double pawns are to know what strategy is. Okay, and you need to know chess principles with strategies just like two bishops is better than two knights and that is true because bishops take more squares than two knights actually two bishops can trap two knights on the edge of a board if you knew that i don't know if you knew that but that is very true that's why when you um look up commentary on um on grandmaster games maybe you're looking up commentary on the chess tour the grand chess tour and then they'd be like well They didn't want their opponent to get the two bishops. The two bishops are very important. So now you know. So don't just be giving away your bishops so easily when you're playing chess the next time you play. And another thing that deals with strategy is the cooperation of pieces. And that's a long subject too. All these subjects are long. I could talk about pawn structure for days. I could talk about chess principles with strategy for days and the advantages I'm definitely going to do an episode about that. And another thing that is... um, That is very crucial... That probably should be... Last, actually... Is to know your basic openings. You need to know to develop your pieces in the beginning. You need to know what you're already going to do... So that when you get into the middle game... You already got the... You already got the opening idea. And most people confuse this. Because when people think about learning openings they think about just memorizing openings but no 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 that is not what you do and every player will tell you this every player that is good will tell you this don't memorize openings remember um learn opening ideas okay you need to learn the opening ideas so that when you're coming out the opening and you're actually in the middle game you know what to do afterwards because different openings have different personalities And you know what you can learn these opening ideas from? You can learn these opening ideas from grandmasters. Grandmasters know all the opening ideas because they're already going. They already been through what you're doing right now. So, of course, they know it. Okay. and this is an important thing that I'm going to say right now is to learn the end games, learn specifically how each piece operates or contributes in the end game this will amplify everything that i just told you to learn previously in the last 10 minutes okay just think about chess like this think about chess as a big rubik's cube with hundreds of algorithms or patterns and you might not think about it but there are a lot of patterns in chess and grandmasters have remember the majority of them and i'm not going to say all of them because that would mean that grandmasters are perfect which they're not we're all human we're not perfect grandmasters blunder all the time slightly they don't blunder as much they don't blunder as much as beginners do but they do blunder a little bit it's called an inaccuracy though but your job in chess once you got all these down is to get all these patterns just put in your head just like a rubik's cube and once you do that then you're gonna be a cool a great player okay let me tell you something else there are different chess principles for each part of the game in each and each, (laughs) and as i explain each part of the game which is the opening middle game and end game there, there are different ones for, for each part of the game. I don't know where I was going with that, but there's different ones for each part of the game. And there are so many chess principles. And I can name a few good ones right now. Um, like you, you need to learn like the best defense is a good attack. Like I said in the beginning, three minor pieces are usually better than a queen. The key word is usually because you can't just define Something as just better than a queen if you're not, because you gotta take the whole position into account. You gotta know where the pawns are, the kings are, the the next threat is. And then another chess principle, one of my favorite ones that taught me a lot and that increased my chess a lot is the threat is greater than the execution. And that's a big one too. Once you learn how to apply that to your game, that will make your game super solid. So there are many more like these, though, that will exponentially increase your chess skills. And you need to find them all and apply it. Your job is to find them all, to fish for them, to to go after it. Go after it like it's gold or silver or something. You need to have that hunger to learn more. And I know I explained some of them, but this is just the surface. This is just the surface. This is how big chess is everything that i just explained is not all of it which is crazy i could talk about chess for years to years to come because there's so much knowledge and there's so much life um chess knowledge too uh, life lessons in chess too and if you don't want to find it if you message me on h1chess on instagram or message me on my YouTube channel Chess Knowledge with H1 or Facebook Chess Knowledge with H1 then I you don't have to search for them you can come here on the podcast if you want to learn more about chess principles then just message me show me the love and, and, and the interest that y'all have with this because I would be super excited to do a part 2 to this podcast and yes I know it, it seems like you don't like know like what my facial expression is but yes I am smiling right now because I enjoy talking about in playing chess so yes if you want to go over more ch- chess principles like these just let me know let me know in the messages okay is the waiting room segment quotes by h1 and the quote of this episode is don't try to climb the rating ladder without a helmet thank you for listening and let's continue on with this awesome episode This is H1, and yes, yes, I am sorry it is ending, but as I end this, I just want to say thanks for listening, and I appreciate all of you, all of you that has been there since the first season, and I, I, I'm i excited for the second season. I, I really am, and if you like this content, please follow. Please just make sure that you're going to be up to date to every episode that I'm doing, which is going to be at 430 every Tuesday. No doubt. It's definitely going to be on Tuesday. So and plus, if you have any questions, please message me on Anchor or on my Instagram, H1Chess. Just message me if you have any questions. And I just want to say that you're welcome to come back anytime, anyway. And if you need this knowledge again, just, just replay it, you know, just keep on replaying it because I, I research a lot of stuff to get this done. And I am really glad that I can share my experiences with other people. So let's, let's get ready for the next episode. I think the next episode is going to be about, uh, something like, I don't know. Um, all I know is that it's going to be something special. Is that good enough? It's, it's going to be special no matter what. I, I promise you it is. If you come back, I promise you it is. It's going to touch your heart dearly. It's going to touch your heart dearly. Oh, Okay. Okay. Hey, be back here. Same time. We're going to run it back with some more chess knowledge. Peace.